0: Monday, the 3rd of October, 2011, the London Film School presents a Q&A with director Les Blair following a screening of his film, Bad Behavior, from 1993. All right, wonderful. So, Les, anything you want to say after you've turned your phone off? Before we open it up and start getting questions.
1: Um, just uh... Yeah, I know they are fiddly. Uh, do I want to say anything? i just answer questions, really. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit, first of all, about how the film was made. Um, the, I started work with the actors uh, before we had a script. Um, so, at that point... I'd I'd just made a film, I'd made a film before this called Bliss, which was set in Notting Hill, and was about uh, people desperately trying to get laid, uh, and not succeeding for the most part. And uh, so I thought I'd make the obverse of that, which was people desperately trying not to get laid. And that developed into making a film about marriage and housing and all those things. And um, so I set, I just made some basic choices Um, that it would be about a married couple with children and it would be at the point where... uh, which is quite a dangerous point, I think, in a marriage where the children are reaching an an age where the wife is beginning to realise that she's lost a chunk of her life, so to speak, uh, looking at bringing the kids up, so what do I do next? Um, And, I mean, it's quite a personal film in a lot of ways, uh, to the point where my own son was in it. Playing Joey, actually, which was a bit of lazy casting on my part. <laughs> um, so I decided that I want that it would be a marriage between a guy who was from a working class background with to a wife who was from a more bourgeois background, if you like. Uh, And I wanted it to be geographically specific. Uh, So I looked around, I thought about a lot of places in London and ended up uh, settling on Kentish Town, Camden, that kind of area. Uh, And then, and and that was pretty well all I had when I started casting. And I got, I. I was seeing all kinds of people when I was casting. I was concentrating really on the the couple that were, the married couple. And eventually I had a chat with Stephen Ray. And he, and I thought he would be good. He was the right age and the right kind of guy. And, um, and then I, I that kind of and then I thought, well, Irish and Kentish Camden Town, that all makes sense. So and then I had a chat with Sinead Cusack, uh, who's uh Stevens from wo- from working class Belfast and Sinead is from uh well she's kind of Dublin uh I mean the Cusack family are the Irish Dublin equivalent of the Redgrave family if you like they, they they're, they're all actors that they're classical actors theatre actors and I so I, I asked to have a chat with Sinead and uh, had to talk her into doing this she wasn't very keen uh, she was worried about where the dialogue would come from and uh, I had to really, st- it took several uh, conversations and a bit of arm twisting before she agreed to do it. Uh, because she'd not, never worked in this kind of way. And then, so gradually the things started to come together and we started with character and built, and, and, and then I started to introduce the other characters and work in the same way with them. Uh, the Nun brothers, I had a ch- chat with Phil Daniels, and uh, he got quite excited about the idea of playing identical twins. And they came, I, I should, I'll admit now, the Nun brothers came from a very personal experience, which was having work done in my house by identical twins called Kevin and Keith. <laughs> And we really never knew which one we were talking to ever. <laughs> uh, which was, and it, it was interesting because they were very different to each other, but we still never knew which one. We, we mm. had to, well, we had to let them sec, say a couple of sentences before we twigged which one mm. we were talking to. May I just ask quickly: did, did you have a
0: producer involved throughout from the beginning, or was it? Sort yeah, of
1: no, to... we had to. Uh, Sally Hibbin was involved from the beginning and Sarah Curtis mm. and uh, I was with uh, working through I was a part of parallax uh, which was a company with Ken Loach and Sally Hibbin and uh, um, well in fact I, at the when we started to make this film I'd worked with Sarah Curtis who was the producer in on a, a couple of BBC projects and um she uh, uh and then we just try we decided to do we tried got channel four interested in doing this film four and uh we, we wanted to do it and, and para, we talked to parallax and uh they said well why don't you become a part of parallax mm. uh because i i I knew Ken slightly, and and so I became a part of that company, and we did a few things through that company afterwards. Mm. Uh, so it, Sarah and I had pitched it to to Film Four, and uh, they bought the idea, mm. and we started we started from there. Mm. So we'll open it up. Um, questions for Les. Uh, cheekily <laughs> uh, well it's difficult I mean it and, and the thing is that it's uh, you, you you end up sort of talking about uh, about casting and this kind of thing but uh, really um you know, it's we're talking about the early 90s and pe- people were still uh, taking a chance, you know, in places like Film 4 International. I, I mean, it would be very difficult to do it now. It, well, it would be impossible to do it now unless you were uh, Mike Lee, say. Uh, so, it really, you just have to... I mean, you pitch it in, in a way like any film. I, you know, I wrote a a kind of uh, uh, s- story thing, basically. Or, well, it wasn't so much a story, but it it was. A, I wrote a piece which described the tone of the film and the kinds of characters, and how it, you know, the kinds of things that would happen. But. Uh, but there was no storyline as such at that time and also I you know I had it was I'd been making films in this way on television since uh, the early 1970s so I had some kind of uh, reputation that there would be something at the end of it and uh, I'd won i mean a couple of films that I'd made just before this won BAFTAs for best TV film. Uh, so that helped as well. Mm. But I, it's not easy. I just
2: ask
0: a question about editing. In terms of what ended up in the film, how much did you shoot?
1: How much of what you shoot, chart, ended up in the film in the end? Yeah, I think at this point, I think I need to distinguish between improvising and ad-libbing in front of the camera. Hmm. I mean the the work I did improvising was all to do with rehearsal with creating the characters so I'd started off for example by just having spending I mean we worked for about 12 weeks before we had the story hmm. uh, and I started for the uh, quite a long time at the beginning just talking one-to-one with the actors and and not letting them meet as characters until we had a really solid foundation for each mm. character and then i set about creating the history of the marriage so we started the first time a sinead and Stevens characters uh, improvised together in rehearsal was the first time they met mm. as characters, so we'd gone back in time basically to, to where to where the, to the time when the film happens mm. and we sort of improvised our way through the story of the development of that relationship uh, until the decision to live together happened and then to get married and mm. so on. Uh, and I think it's it's because of that that you get that credible relationship mm. between the two of them, because the, all those look, looks at each other and the pretense, the kind of style of, of the way they relate to each other. I mean, somebody once said to me, why are they arguing all the time? And I said, they're not arguing. Mm. It's just the style of a relationship, mm. you know, I mean... It may. She, she's smiling inside all the time. The only n- n- they nearly have an argument when mm. he comes home drunk, mm. when he's full of guilt about what he's been doing, mm. and not so much about what he's been doing, but what he's been thinking he might do. Mm. And and uh, and she obviously senses that something's been going on, you know, mm. and he's being. Slightly guilty and mm. secretive about it, and they nearly have an argument mm. there. Uh, but the rest of the time, it's the kind of and the style of, commu- of of relating, which which is a product of the of the fact that we've sort of uh, mapped through the whole of the history of their relationship, mm. and so the looks r- quite often refer to things that happened. 10 years ago i.e. in an improvisation mm. about something that happened 10 years ago mm. and that becomes a bit like you know like a you know like an iceberg i mean it's the it's the, the amount of ice under the water that supports the bit you see which is what you see in the film mm. by the way feel free to raise your hand at any time and then i'll just call on you
0: um, so um, i just have one question before liam um about because I think the Ellie character seems extremely fond of her husband, uh, so I'm wondering how, how did the two actors get on in real life, um, or was that something that was never really an issue, in terms of developing the characters and the relationship? Uh,
1: they got on okay. I mean, they they weren't in a relationship. They mm. they they were coming to work every day. You right. know, uh, because she's very half
0: fond, half caustic all the time. Uh, the way people tend to be when they're very fond and. Yeah.
1: No, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's just a product of the work we mm. were doing. It's not a reflect... It, I mean, they, they have their own styles as people, and, and obviously some of that is in the characters, mm. but the characters aren't them. I mean, I insisted all the time we were developing the characters, that if they were talking about Jerry and Ellie... They never referred to them to those characters as me. Mm. They always referred to them as him and her. Mm. So, because I want, I didn't want it to be them. I wanted to have a, a an ob, an objective relationship with the characters, so that we could discuss the characters separately from, disc for, from it being them, mm. and we could manipulate the characters. Uh, to make them do what we needed them to do in order to tell the story. Mm. Liam, uh, when
0: you were rehearsing those, well, when you were doing those improvisations, did you have the luxury
1: of a set with props and bits and pieces? Or yeah, well, I had a rehearsal room, uh, which was uh, an, was an old carpet warehouse, I think, in uh, Kentish Town, uh, which where we constructed. Which was the home basically and so you know we had separate rooms in the rehearsal room with basic furniture which were was the home but I tried to do as much improvisation in the real world as possible uh, so for example if uh, if if we were doing an improvisation where they met in a pub, they would maybe... Because the, the rehearsal room changed. At the beginning, it was separate places for Ellie and Jerry. It was their their single apartments. But And if they met, and if they arranged to meet, to go and see a film or to go to the pub, they would start off in their own apartments and then... I'd, I'd cue them to leave separately, and then they'd meet in the pub. In char- by the, by which time they'd be in character, uh, and they'd behave in the pub as though they were Jerry and Ellie, and relate to people in the same way. I mean, it, it didn't in this case get tricky. There there were a, I, I did I was working this way once in South Africa actually when a, a guy was in character and someone met he knew turned up in the place and he refused to get out of character. <laughs> 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 and and uh, the, <laughs> it got a bit complicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so that's it, really. Um, so.
0: if you had the time and the money right now, which kind of film would you
2: shoot?
1: Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I've, I, have, I have two scripts uh, which I've written and co-written which we can't get the money to make, so I guess it would be one of those. Uh, Well, the one I wanted to make make most is about a... which I co-wrote with a friend of mine who had uh, encephalitis when he was 16 and spent uh, two years uh, being ill in his early teens. Actually, he'd got over it by the time he was 16. Um, And it's about this young boy taking on the national health service basically i mean he wasn't he was misdiagnosed for quite a long time and so he he spent it's called out of it he spent two years with a headache Uh, and it's a quite a funny film actually in, in in a way because it's about this boy taking on the medical world and managing to survive despite their efforts.
2: Uh,
1: So I'd probably make that, I think. And the fact, you know, we've written the script because it's his story. um, uh, But uh, I would probably develop it, the characters, in much the same way as I did with this.
0: Did you have a question? Or um, no, I can.
1: Yeah, and no, I wanted to ask about the production design of this film.
0: Like, in terms of uh, how were the houses that you've chosen, uh, is, are they completely dressed up to to character, or how, yeah. how
1: is the, that does that the work? The house was empty. And uh, Jim Grant, the designer, I mean, I, he, I had a great unit on this film in in those head heads of departments and every every piece of decoration and fabric in that house has been selected and carefully placed and janti yates who did the costume i thought did a brilliant job as well very detailed and i mean she would work she has a great way of working, Janti. She just brings bags of clothes in and throws them on the floor, and and, the char- and, and talks, and the character, the actors, t- talk about their characters, and they select clothes between them, and they create wardrobes. And Vital Stock was on camera. That was and Rodrigo tieres was operating and that was a really good combination you know there are people who you know working this way is is it's not easy for the te- technical people in many ways i mean in many ways for example in order to be ready for the day you shoot the designer is asking questions before i can answer them in the early part of rehearsal uh, and, uh, but you know, they, everybody worked very well and uh, I really think it really shows in the film. It's a shame it's not a, a good print and, uh, but uh, we, we did think the BFI was going, had a print, but at the last minute they said they didn't think it was showable. Someone must have been kicking it around an editing room or something.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about the Philip Jackson character. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Is that someone who you had sort of known or had had dealings with? And, 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 I mean, so. No, I'm very happy
1: to say no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we we were talking about you know housing is the is the kind of runs through the film mm. as an issue. Uh, you know it's that you know Jerry works in a planning department. Uh, Ha- and they <coughs> Phil we talked a lot I just wanted a character that was exploiting housing mm. as a way of making a living uh, and so we did a lot of research and uh, or, and we talked a lot and uh, Philip Jackson who plays him Howard uh, he talked to a- a bit about uh, creepy, about grease balls he'd met in his life. And uh, we gradually sort of settled on one of his grease balls as a starting point for a character mm. and then introduced him to the profit-making world in housing mm. and all the scams you can pull. Mm. And, uh, and so th- that's, that's where that character started. But then, as as we go on, the characters take on their own life, you know, that, that, and become dif- they become different to the actor and different to the person he described to me, and they mm. become Howard Spink, who's mm. a you know an entity of his on his own, mm. and and then you know we push the character in to extreme mm. situations, so we ended up with this thing where he regularly. Got his house repossessed, and would go and find somewhere to bunk down and immediately find out where the house was being auctioned and go and buy it back at a quarter of the price that it would fetch on the open market because it was being auctioned by the repossessors mm. uh, which you know is quite a, is a viable scam mm. Mm. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that kind of work goes into it. I mean, uh, Steve, Stephen Ray, spent days in Camden Planning Department. Mm. We got him a desk there, and, and he would find out, you know, what the work was, and then he'd go in, and then, you know, as, as the character was developed, he'd, he'd leave, the house, leave the rehearsal room in character and go to work mm. in character. And go and sit at his desk in character, mm. and quite a few of the people, you know, not the, um, not Sophie, uh, but the other people around were actually actually worked there. Mm. The other people around in the office mm. were the people who worked in the office. <laughs> and
0: uh, but to so go back to Philip Jackson, the, the casting of him. Um, Was that an actor you'd worked with previously?
1: Yeah, I've worked with Phil a couple of times. I worked with Phil in the very first professional job I had after leaving this school, Mm. which was a BBC film called Blooming Youth, which was, I thought I'd play safe, it was about three, uh, four students living in a grotty flat in... Kentish Town, as it (laughs) happened. Who were eventually driven out by the empty milk bottles, which they hadn't left, bothered to take out to the doorstep. Um, So Phil was in that, and I'd worked with him a couple of times. Mm. And um, he... I mean, I didn't automatically go to him, but I saw a few people... I think one of the things I like to do when I'm casting is to see everybody mm. who, who wants to be seen. Mm. Uh, because then, I, you know, I have my own ideas, but I like, like those ideas to be changed by things that are more interesting mm. than I thought of. So it's quite interesting, I, I like to see everybody briefly. Mm. Just, first of all, just to see if they're interesting and if I think I can work with them and then invite them back. and usually invite them back in pairs or fours or whatever and and spend half a day working with them Mm. and and sort of uh, try improvising with them, seeing if they have a sense of character, that Mm. kind of thing, seeing if they can act, if they can do what I want them to do.
0: Because mm. you said that you spent a lot of time with Ellie and Jerry, obviously. Yeah. But at which point did these the supporting cast come in and step into the situation? And then, you know, well, Jackson, also the children. At what point did they come in? The,
1: the children quite late, mm. um, but I knew I I wanted to have I, I knew I I knew I wanted to have identical twin builders. I just wanted to put that experience <laughs> on screen. So I got in touch with. Uh, Phil Daniels, quite early, because mm. I thought he was spot on and he got excited by the idea. Mm. And I think I brought Phil in a bit later and Claire Higgins, who plays the mad neighbour, mm. uh, she came in quite a bit later. Mm. I mean, I, I concentrated for the, at the very beginning of rehearsal on, on the marriage, mm. that, because I knew that was going to be the centre of the film. And the children... Uh, I, it, I th- the thing about working with the children, especially with Luke, Your who son? played Joe, my In son, who was, you know, very young, uh, it, I think the trick with children of that age is not for them to pretend, to stop them pretending, to stop them acting. Mm. So I just tried to make it as real as possible. So we, did, we didn't re, do, rehearse scenes with him as such, uh, but what I did do was he went like, uh, Ellie and Jerry took him out to places, took him for, mm. to McDonald's, took him to the zoo, uh, so, so that he began to get a sense that, of, of the family. Mm. And he uh, and he did, you know, like, for example, we did do an improvisation where he helped Jerry make the bolognese sauce, mm. for example. Uh, and we uh, did it and Jerry, it, that included him going shopping in Camden mm. Market and buying the mince mm. and meeting the butcher that Jerry always bought, the butcher's stall that Jerry always bought the mince from. Mm. Uh, so that by the time we were filming, it, he was just being Joey. Yeah. He was just doing it, you know. And it, it didn't really have lines as such because if you you probably noticed that all his dialogue is to respond to things that other people say to him. Mm. So he just responded. Mm. He, he just believed it. He believed it was true, I suppose, in mm. a way. Mm. Uh, and I think that In in some ways, the older son, you know, it was more difficult working with him than it was with the younger one because the younger one would go along with. Mm. Although there was one occasion when we were filming on Hampstead Heath and I was trying to position them for that high angle looking down when they were playing football and Luke was getting bored and uh, we said, Can you, we don't want you to do anything yet, just stand there. And then, and, and Luke's, and I said, and then we'll have a go, and Luke said, is this a rehearsal or is it a take? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, it do not make any difference to you, Luke. Mind your own business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but it is different with them. Mm. Um, but i would give you an example of how it works in a way. We, we'd... Create. we'd created the relationship between Ellie and Jerry and we'd created um, and we'd got to the point where the bathroom needed doing mm. and for it, the, the scene where the, the identical twins show up for the first time we did a rehearsal I didn't tell I mean one of the things about working this way is that the actors don't talk to each other out Mm. of character so at the end of the day they don't go to the pub and talk about what they're doing because i want the characters to have their privacy Mm. it's kind of like real life in a way Mm. they i want them to have secrets from each other uh So for example, quite often at the end of doing a film like this, the actors all leap on each other and say, what happened? (laughs) What was all that about? Uh, And uh, so they knew that the Nun brothers were coming, or one of the Nun brothers was coming round to to have, Mm. uh, but they didn't know they were twins. And we did this improvisation in the in the rehearsal room, where uh, Roy came. Phil Phil came as Roy, and bringing in, he had a cup of coffee and some tools. Uh, He had a a uh, you know takeaway coffee and some tools, and he was wearing a red shirt. And he came in, went into the bathroom. Mm went out put his tools and his coffee down went out and then he came back as roy in a blue shirt (laughs) with another cup of coffee and some more tools and put them in the bathroom and went out and Mm. they did this for about 20 minutes before either ellie or jerry noticed that 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 this guy was changing his shirt when he every time he went out of the room (laughs) out of the rehearsal room. And, you know, the the fact... I mean, this is the key to it in a way. And then it was revealed that they were twins. Mm. And the fact that they'd actually lived through that and believed it made them completely believe that they wouldn't... that they would be... Mm. uh, that they wouldn't be able to recognise that. Whereas I think if you have a script... There's an element of, you know, surely they would have noticed by now. Mm, mm, mm. But, uh, and so, you know, that eventually became that se- that arrival scene. Mm, mm. Is that, um, yes, please.
2: Yep, go ahead. Uh, just just uh, trying to figure out, when you, when you talk about uh, uh, improvisations, is it, is it, uh, the, are the improvisations done uh, in, during the pre-production stage completely, and maybe tweaked during a shooting? Or, uh... No, it depends. What the,
1: the, what I was saying before about it is not by the time we we're shooting, the the, the 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 dialogue has kind of settled itself. I mean, some of the scenes we shot were actually longer than they edited ended up after the edit we did lose material in the edit but only in the same kind of way as happens with the script sometimes (coughs) by the time we were shooting a scene the dialogue was was set and the actors knew what they were going to say and they and we could do repeats and different angles and whatever and shoot it like any any film uh but it depends you know i have done things where you just let it happen in front of the camera but but it depends on the situation um when i did uh, i made a film once about a a, a racing stable horse racing stable which was built, created in this kind of way, and it was about two young lads who were working there, and we had a scene where they had a, a row and then a fight in a caravan, uh, and something like that. You know, I want, I didn't, I just didn't want to rehearse that. We just, we. <laughs> we just got them more and more agitated until as, as characters and uh, until and then just said go for it basically and uh, we had one camera which captured as much as it could and then i picked up odd little things which would help knit it together in the editing room but but it's very rarely that that happens i mean all this all these scenes are rehearsed by the time it's never written down the dialogue but it's i mean what happens is after we created the characters and we'd done all the rehearsing i would tell them to go away for however many days or a week and i'd start i'd write and uh, usually, I I used to sit with with, with uh, those reporters' notepads in rehearsal, just making jotting down ideas and uh, ways. Starting off with, you know, what what do I want to improvise next? The improvisations always uh, were always designed to to take us a step further or to achieve something. Uh, but uh, and that I'd send them away when we'd done enough work and write uh, a scenario, basically, which was usually about 25 pages, uh, just description scene by scene of what would happen. And uh, when we shoot... The, and, and then if there were long... It, long dialogue scenes like, uh, well, a few of these in here, like uh, the scene when he comes home drunk or the scene after they come back from uh, the, from going, the girls come back from going out or the scene between uh, Ellie and, uh, what's her name, the mad neighbour. Uh Those uh, uh, and Ellie and Winifred, those long scenes we would set. I mean, rehearse until they were there. Um, But we never actually wrote the dialogue down. I'd sometimes jot down a kind of line through the scene just in case we got lost or or get the uh,
2: script. How far into the production, the production stage, how far into the production have you? Will you kind of lock down the story and, and that that scene before the shooting starts?
1: Well, I mean, we'd, the, we'd rehearse for about ten weeks. Then I'd write, uh, lock down the story, and then spend a week tidying up the big scenes, just setting them. And the smaller scenes, uh, we'd almost rehearse, shoot, rehearse, shoot. But we'd but we'd set it. I mean, for example, the scene where the builders arrive is the product of about, I, I don't know how many improvisations. There's the improvisation of Joey in the morning. There's the getting ready for school improvisation. There's the builders arriving improvisation. There's the Jerry not wanting to get out of bed improvisation. And so they're all... Tackled separately, and then pulled, you know, and drawn from. Maybe not even designed for that scene, but they're all things we know. What we we know, ne- you know, we. They're things where I said I, I want to find out what Jerry's like the next morning after he's had a drink and doesn't want, you know, after he's drunk too much. So we improvised that, and then I, and then later when I'm writing, I'm saying, okay, that will happen here in this context. And so it's, you know, it's a jigsaw puzzle. How many weeks do you have for scheduling after you lock Sorry?
2: How many weeks do you have for scheduling after you lock down? Weeks
1: to do what? Scheduling. Scheduling. How scheduling. Well, it's kind of going on all the time, really. I mean, that, uh, you know, the, the scheduling is, uh, we're going to be in this house. Most of it is going to be in this house, right? So we've always got that. Uh, and i want to do and i i want to do it as much in story order as possible so we you know well we'll, so i would make guesses even before i had a script and say let's have a couple of weeks in the house and then we'll go maybe you know we'll, we'll go to we'll we'll have I don't know, I forget how long it was, I think it was probably about two days in the Camden offices. I mean, we shot the whole thing in about uh, 30 days, 28, 30 days, I think. Uh, Nicola. Yeah,
0: um, I really liked the, like the, some of the humorism, especially from Stephen Ray, but also from the other characters, and I wanted to ask, like, the funny lines, or like the...
1: Funny moments are those uh, like a result of the improvisation sessions, or are they? uh, Are they uh, written and then written exactly? Because it seems really spontaneous to me within the. No, they're they're completely out of the characters' work. We did. You know, and Jerry. I mean, this a lot of it is to do with this kind of dry humour that goes on between the husband and wife and. You know, and Jerry's lines, l- like her saying, I don't know, I've heard you can get the menopause when you're 30. And he says, Yeah, well, that'll be the problem, won't it? <laughs> uh, I mean, all that comes out of character work. You can't write stuff like that, in a way. And, it, you know, Belfast men don't dance, which someone is denying. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all know it's true. <laughs> Me young. They do hooly, but that's about it. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> I think that there is a lot of uh, interesting characters and um, the very funny little stories between them. But I think, uh, I feel like it, uh, this film doesn't have a, a big uh, happening and then finally it, it doesn't have any change at the end of uh, a film. Uh, I feel like uh, it's kind of uh, the middle of uh, exactly uh, boring our life. So, what what do you want to say uh, through this film, and what do you want to say the relationship between housing and the marriage?
1: Well, I think it's. I don't want to sound patronizing here, but I think there is. A, I think you have a, you, the, you must have a problem with the film. Because no, no, I'm serious, because so much so I'm think even for some English people, the humor between Ellie and Jerry and what the way they say things and what they're saying sometimes passes over people's heads because it's very there's very subtle language stuff going on here. and so what you're seeing are the bones of the film and not. I
2: don't mean. The, uh, I couldn't feel the very subtle feeling between the marriage yeah. and uh, it. I mean, uh, it's it's not the <laughs> negative meaning. I mean. The, I it I really like and enjoy the subtle feeling between them and uh, a lot of uh, funny, uh, interesting characters who we can exactly see in our real life. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of little and small stories, but I think uh, it's I can feel that, but I really want to know uh, what. Do you want to say through this? Well uh, what I
1: want to say is what I was saying earlier, that the, the thing that the only thing the thing that saves this marriage from collapsing at this point is the 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 deepness of the affection and love that there is between the two between those two characters. That, and that a lot of marriages don't survive this point in a marriage, when these kind of pressures, you know, which seem to be small pressures, but when they start to happen on top of each other, you know, and, uh, you know, there are men who, uh, you know, when Ellie starts saying, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm feel like you when you can't breathe and 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 when her friends are saying you know Jerry Jerry, Jerry doesn't treat you well basically you know he doesn't doesn't seem to and you seem to argue all the time and and then the, this woman keeps coming and 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 then and the builders and the kids and and she's feeling trapped and he's feeling trapped and then one of some women at work starts Kind of nudging him quietly. Uh, quite a lot of marriages would, quite a lot of men would go in that direction, you know. Or, and and so it, it is. It's not a you know. It's never. I never tried to be a it, for it to be a big film. I wanted it to be a small film about a, sm- a small marriage, if you like. Yeah, I like that.
2: And um, also, I do. You wanted to say the housing and management of housing is a little bit similar to management of merit uh,
1: Yeah, well, it's... I mean, housing, it's the kind of thing that I'm interested in, was interested in, that housing... I mean, for me, houses uh, should be a place where where you live happily, you know, not, not where people make money or... Uh, or, uh, and I think people who want to live in caravans should be allowed to live in caravans, and so on and so forth. So it's all different kinds of housing, and diff- uh, and, and in a way, yeah, you know, Jerry's the Jerry and Ellie's house is is like a warm nest in the middle of all this, and it's what a home should be, in a way. Gabriel.
2: Um, sometimes as a young filmmaker, you're uh, kind of pressured to prepare everything or over-prepare everything. In making a film like this, how much do you think is experience? How much is instinct?
1: Well, well the very first film I ever made, professionally, was made like this. And, I, and we rehearsed and put together a film in six weeks uh, I gradually managed to get longer rehearsal time. Uh, I think got up to 12, up to three months. But uh, I think it's a... a math, I'm, I know what you're saying. Um, and it's very difficult now because it's difficult to get people to trust you to make a film like this now, especially when you're first starting. I mean, I came out of... This film school, in, you know, I started working in the early 1970s when television was desperate for product. And uh, I, I left here, I worked on Mike Lee's first film as a producer and editor. Uh, we sort of made it together. And then I started doing a bit of theatre work. And I did, I actually did a, was doing little lunchtime play in the, in, you know, the lamb flag pub in that room upstairs. That was, <laughs> that was a lunchtime theatre. Uh, and, and a TV producer called Tony Garnett came and saw that. And uh, he just phoned me up and said, do you want to make something for television? and i said yes but well, i mean that doesn't and I, he said well, well let's have a chat and we had a chat he said what what do you want to do and i said well i don't know. i I'd, I'd like to do something about some students living in a flat he said fine okay <laughs> <laughs> but i think so so it's easier then because they were, you know they were desperate for for product and and they and this was a time when they were making you know when the the indigenous film industry resided at the BBC actually and and they were making they they were making two or three single films a week Uh, and people like me and Stephen Frears and Mike Lee and Ken Loach were making these films with other, you know and and but I think it's also an attitude. And I think that I, would, I developed a thing where I was prepared to kind of climb up the tree, go out along the branch and start sawing and see how long it took me to saw through the branch, in a way, you know, before I fell to earth and to see if I could not fall to earth. And so, you know, it, it, you, you get brown... Knickers and, <laughs> and you, you don't sleep for weeks. But I think really, I, you know, it was, ta- I, it was taking a risk, but at the same time, I was so convinced by the kind that the film could be carried by the kind of performances that you were getting. Were, you know, and this film is all, these films are all about performance. <clears throat> They're all about credible recognizable characters mm. people and, and that's my biggest ambition I'm much more interested in that you know that that's what the kind of films I want to make that's that's i'm I'm more interested in that than genre or uh, uh, st- horror films or you know mm. uh, it's And it's people are the the thing that interests me most. Mm. So we're going to do
0: four more questions. So we'll start with you, the gentleman in the back, so I don't know your name, but. Would you say it's
2: a very British film
0: and British characters?
1: Sorry? Would you say it's a very British film, and British characters being from the 70s and a lot of the films then were very British? Um, Well, I mean, it's obviously very, well, British although Stephen and Sinead might have something to say about that (laughs) Uh, but it's definitely set in these islands you know it's about these about the people that inhabit these islands that we live in Uh, and I think that I'm not quite sure what the question is you're asking really Yeah, well, not all. No, no. I made um, the last improvised film. The last film I made was about the IRA hunger strikers. Uh, it was called H three. And the film before that was set in South Africa. And was called Jump the Gun, and was a feature film about. Uh, which was about life in South Africa after Mandela's election. It was about people learning to talk to each other. It's a kind of, it's a bit like this in tone, mixture of comedy and real stuff. And I went out to South Africa, auditioned. I think it was something like 300 actors, met 300 actors, and selected a, six of them and made the film in exactly the same way as this, but I got them to tell me the stories. Uh, so I, uh, you know, but I, you know, I, I work in my own, ter- on my own, t- you know, a film like this is about me and my, you know, this is very personal. It's very much my, wo- you know, world that I've inhabited and that it's my own territory
0: because that's who you meet
1: us it's it's just what it, 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 it it's just what interests me one of the first films that grabbed me in the cinema you know i, I went and saw uh, west you know cowboy films as a kid uh, and uh, for a bit and but the first uh, uh, when in 19, late 1950s, I went to the cinema and saw Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. And the, fin, the character that Albert Finney played was the first time I saw that I felt I'd seen a recognisable working class character on the screen. There wasn't a four lock tugger and uh, wore a flat hat and a wife's white scarf around his neck uh, but was a you know an aggressive uh burton suit wearing heavily heavy drinking womanizer uh, and i i recognized this character and i thought gosh that's great that that's really something uh, and uh, so, so it's, you know, and I've always been interested. And then I just watch more and more of those kind of films neo realist films, films, you know, about real people. And it's, it's what grabs me, it interests me more than uh, thriller or plot or any of those things. Mm. Fatima.
0: It's just a comment, you know, I like, I like this fact that, this, that the story of Stephen Ray seemed very surreal in a way. Like, I mean, his wife is crazy, His son is copying Polanski, I mean, or his lifestyle is quite... with big
2: iPhones, you're talking to each other all the time. It's just <laughs> very interesting about, like, his, about him.
1: Well, you, I mean, you should remember that these phones were new toys for, uh, in, in this age, you know. I mean, I think that was the first mobile phone joke. Ever on <laughs> film, by the way, when he's on the phone and the other guy are on the phone in the same room. And they just suddenly realize that they're actually standing quite close to each other. So I think, I actually think that is the first ever mobile phone joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry? He used something to, to measure the room, <clears throat> like distance and everything. Like.
1: Well, it's just a kind of. Uh, the radar thing, you know, just throws a beam out and it bounces back and... Please, yes. I,
0: I, I wanted to
1: ask you about the, the music, your relation your relation
0: with the composer, or what stage that he came in and uh, the decisions that you guys made and if you're happy or not with the final result. Because from a personal point of view, I thought that sometimes it really worked but what some of the times that because of its repetition, I felt like the music was almost as if cutting the film in little segments of five, ten minute scenes. And well, and my second question is, how do you get the sun to come out so
1: often, like in <laughs> in London? Well, it didn't. I mean, we just soon as the sun came out, we were out there. <laughs> uh, the music. I don't know. I mean, listen. Listening to the music now, I I tend to agree with you a little bit. I think it may be overused, uh, but the style of the music I wanted, the, I the, I wanted that style of music. I wanted the uh, uh, kind of jazz-based music, really, because I felt that that was the kind of music that Jerry would listen to, and uh, and you know when he put some music on at night uh, ideally that would have been John Coltrane or Miles Davis or something but uh, we couldn't afford that so <laughs> the John Altman band did a pastiche of it for me uh, but I i mean I, I also think listening to it in here I don't know the sound <coughs> I mean I, I think the sound wasn't very good on this I, the, the music balance against the dialogue felt wrong at times to me and I think it's a I think it's a problem maybe the mix mix. Uh, you know maybe it's over it's heavily mixed I mean the music came in really at the beginning of editing when I uh, I wanted it to be upbeat uh, and I wanted it, but then it kind of to mellow occasionally as as things developed. Uh, But it's, I think to a certain extent, I fell in love with the fact that it was, you know, it was live music, it was a whole orchestra. Mm. And that got the better of me. <laughs> no, no, no. Please.
0: Uh, is there anything, apart from the music, is there anything else that you regret or would do differently today?
1: Uh, w- well, everything, really. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> I've never, ever made a film where I wouldn't do things differently, some things. I mean, sometimes when I look at this, I think it's a shame when Jerry goes to. Pick up the bike. That uh, Sophie isn't around at that point, coming out or something with her mates. I didn't want them to meet ever, at that point. But also, maybe he could have seen her across the road or something. But I, you know, I thought about that at the time and decided not to do it uh, because I didn't I. I didn't want to raise that issue at that point, but looking at it now, I think I should have sh- I should have done it, maybe. Isn't that the obvious thing to do, which you didn't do? Which yeah, makes, which makes yeah exactly I well, so, well, that's why I didn't yeah. do it. But sometimes the obvious thing is the right thing to do. I'm still debating. I mean, I'm. I i can not decide even now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's equal. <laughs> what, you mean Ellie and Jerry in their dotage <laughs> the grown up kids and the grandchildren <laughs> no thanks <laughs>
0: well, that's a very positive outlook of the film, which films like it usually don't have um, and it tends to it seems to very much like its characters and I think the slice of life films like
1: it tend not to really do that it tends to be very bleak, everything and I think um, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of films being made at the moment which are really about the lower depths mm, all the time. Mm. You know, uh, Paddy Considine's just made a. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the it's
0: dinosaur. Yeah,
1: yeah, which I I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's you know, the pits of life, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not against those films, but. I didn't want to make a downer of a film about mm.
0: this, but, it's tra- mm. but it
1: has got characters in it who are in trouble. Absolutely. You know. But even I think, I mean, because you mentioned
0: Polanski in the film, and I think that's very clear in all Polanski's films, mm. he never really likes the stuff he's dealing with. He dislikes the actors, he dislikes the characters, and it's all, it's all about his dislike. And, and
1: yeah, he's I, not a bad filmmaker. No, no, it? he's not, no. But, he, <laughs> but, it's, but I, I do enjoy the
0: fact that you seem to very much like these characters, and um, it's very uplifting. Um, and any more questions before we um, go off? And Because we're offering beer, food, etc., courtesy of the Student Union and the canteen. So
1: any more questions? i just say one thing, actually. You're not going to believe this, but it's probably a good time to stop because I really do have the builders coming in tomorrow morning. <laughs> 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 As it happens. Thank you very much.
0: This podcast was brought to you by the London Film School.